bist du hier aller Ehre. Was ist Wundes hier geschehe? Dass ein Magd ein Kind This is The New Right, a podcast for the lost arts, reclaiming the literary holy land from the heathen. This is Matt Pegas. And this is Dan Baltic. And we're here today with Raw Egg Nationalist. Raw Egg, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. You're obviously a, a big name and we're, we're excited to get in the conversation today. Um, I think most of our listeners probably know who you are, but I will still give a little intro just in case anyone has been living under a rock or perhaps is just not from our <laughs> Twitter ecosystem. Um, Raw Egg is a you know famous Twitter poster, an author, um, and basically you've been advocating consuming a large quantity uh, of raw eggs since about 2020 and, and pr- maybe earlier, but 2020 is around the time you, you got onto Twitter is my understanding, correct? Yeah, yeah, early 2020. Gotcha. And um, you're also, of course, a published author. Uh, you published three, about, what, three, three, four books since 2020, um, in addition to compilations, and, and we'll be talking about those today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, that's right. And also, crucially, uh, you are the creator of Man's World, which is a fantastic uh, magazine that kind of, and, and to my mind, it sort of takes like the best of our, of our scene in terms of intellectual content as well as aesthetics and, and kind of puts it into one place. We'll definitely be talking a lot about that today. Man's World uh, magazine, which is currently on its seventh issue, as in the, the seventh issue should be coming out sometime this summer, right? Uh, yeah, beginning of July. Excellent. Well, we'll look forward to that. Um, again, just to, not to assume too much prior knowledge on the part of our audience. Uh, and sorry if this is asking a question you've been asked a million times, but if you, I think a good place to start is... Uh, what is raw egg nationalism or put differently, um, how would you kind of describe the resonance between political nationalism and consuming raw eggs in the way that you advocate? Sure. Well, I mean, it's in, it's in the name. It's, it's a combination of consuming large quantities of raw eggs and uh, political nationalism. Um, but yeah, definitely deserves a little bit of unpacking. So I, li- I like to think that the enemy today is what I call soy globalism. Mm-hmm. And I think probably most of the listeners will be able to picture what that is. So that's globalist politics with uh, combined with a kind of um, soy consumer sort of mentality uh, or ethic, whatever you want to call it. Um, so that's the enemy. And uh, Roy nationalism, nationalism is basically the opposite of that. So it's about empowering individuals uh, to be healthy in order that the nation can be healthy, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, because the nation is only as strong as, as the individual, I think, that, or as the individuals that make it up in total. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, raw eggs, raw eggs have just been a, have been a central part of that because they're they're a superfood and they're basically the antithesis of everything that the globalists, every, every, every kind of um, Franken food that the globalists try to push. So 
you know, you, you can produce this, um, you can produce eggs, uh, you know, basically anywhere, you mm-hmm. know, small patch of land, you can have chickens that produce this, this, this incredibly nutritious food that can't be patented, that can't be, um, that can't be controlled by corporations, that can't be, that can't be sold to you in, in a, a ultra processed form, can't be sort of alienated from you. Um, so yeah, so the, so the egg, eggs are kind of like a, a symbol as well of mm-hmm. of the of the of the politics of the movement, which is empowering individuals, local communities, and ultimately nations against against a sort of uh, globalist great reset, whatever you want to call it. Gotcha. And you you keep your own chickens then, right? Uh, I, I don't keep my own chickens, but I have access to. Uh, I, I get a lot of food from local farms, so I, I can get very, very high quality yeah. eggs uh, on yeah. my doorstep. That's one thing that I was interested in reading more up on RAG nationalism in advance of this conversation was how important it is to get quality quality food, quality eggs. Um, I was also interested yep. not, not only in your writing, but also in the uh, the counter piece by uh, Dr. Benjamin Braddock about that. Yep. Where I, I believe, is that where he coined, did he coin the term RAG nationalism in that I article? Don't, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that he did in that article. I, I, it was it was a hashtag, I think, that started. Oh, it's it goes back. Just started, it. sort of. Yeah, mm. that just sort of started going around. But he he definitely gave the first, the first kind of coherent formulation of the yeah of the uh, kind of political platform, which I've then run with. I mean, I mean, when I when I started. When I started my Twitter career, I had no idea that anybody would want to, <laughs> you know, that seventy people would want to listen to what I what I have to say, let alone seventy thousand. So I, I never thought that I would be a, the figurehead of the movement or a figurehead of the movement. Um, yeah, well, it's certainly taken it off. Out like that. Yeah, yeah it, it has. For sure, the laws get in the way of our consuming well raw eggs, but also natural foods. Like for instance, yeah, my ex girlfriend, sure. she was into drinking raw milk. You have to buy it from like a literal farmer and you, you cannot buy raw milk in the store, as I'm sure you know. You, yeah, you well, I'm, I mean, I'm lucky. I'm lucky over here in the UK because actually you can buy. Oh, well, that's, that's although cool. although you although you won't although you won't see raw milk in the supermarket. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, raw milk is is readily available for sale. You know, you can get it. You can get it um, shipped to you if you're not near a farm. It's not something. It's not something under the counter. Although people, like a although people, a contraband item. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> although people, although people in this country, like in the states, probably associate raw milk with illness and uh, you know, diarrhea and possibly death. Um, <laughs> it's uh, yeah. It, it doesn't. It's not subject to the same kind of laws that it's that it's subject to in in most of the United States. Well, that's good. Yeah. I suppose, again, it just comes down to getting that quality of ingredient because it's, it's like re- reading reading up on Rag Nationals, like there's a lot of lies and, and untruth out there about something like consuming raw eggs. But then it's like, for sure. Also, you know, some of the the, the origin of some of those, uh, you know, untruths has to do with the just the low quality of the type of eggs your average person is yeah. likely to have access to. So that seems to me a critical piece of the puzzle. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's the, that's the truth with a lot of these, with a lot of these foods, like including uh, raw milk, for instance, you know, past pasteurization only became necessary when 
well, as a result of basically the industrial revolution of people moving to cities and taking livestock with them to cities, keeping livestock in absolutely squalid conditions. And then lo and behold, the milk that is produced by these wretched animals is riddled with mm-hmm. bacteria and starts making people ill. But if you, if you keep cows uh, or, or any other livestock in the conditions that they are supposed to be kept in, feed them the foods that they're supposed to be fed, then you know oof, there's absolutely no reason whatsoever to be afraid of um, afraid of the milk that they produce or any other products that they yeah. produce for that matter. Well, this is where your messaging, kind of similar with BAPS as well, and a lot of other great accounts, it becomes so holistic, where the question of health and political nationalism and uh, even Mm. animal welfare, um, they all kind of come together, uh, and again, in a very holistic manner. It's easy to understand, uh, you know, where, again, the resonance between consuming Mm. my eggs and something like political nationalism, when you start to think through these questions, like how, how did we come to the, you know, food mm. situation we're now in where people are eating yeah. uh low quality foods and, and the, the, it's it's right down you know you don't it's not a stretch <laughs> the, the political no. questions and the questions of societal organization and the way we yeah. live and the way that we treat animals they're all interconnected um well one of the one of the most depressing things actually about the modern conservative movement has been the way that it has <laughs> abandoned concerns like environmentalism and animal welfare Mm -hmm. and nutrition to well for a long time it was just hippies on the left right you know if 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 you want uh, the only person who was who who would be drinking milk uh, raw milk would be a hippie the only person who would be blathering on about organic food would be a hippie um Mm -hmm. but there's absolutely no reason why any of these things should be solely a province of hippies or people on the left i mean i can't i can't actually think of a more archetypally conservative uh position or concern than environmentalism than caring for the natural environment than 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 preserving god's natural bounty for the next generation i mean if that isn't conservatism then i I don't know yeah i don't know what is (laughs) to be honest with you but but we've reached this we've reached this stage where it's conservatism is shilling for companies like Bayer and Monsanto to destroy the natural world even faster than they're already doing it and shilling for companies to, you know, to, to be able to sell these disgusting processed foods to, to children. And, and, and yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's a nightmare and it, and it's a, it, it's one of the, I think it's one of the greatest failures of modern conservatism. Actually. Definitely. Uh, although I do think it's changing. Uh, thanks a lot to people like you and people like BAP. And I think people from our sphere who are starting to break through, I think there is a conversation surrounding this. I mean, obviously you've been on mm. Alex Jones. Um, I don't think you've been on Tucker, but there you were, you were on that uh, end of men video. Yeah, Well, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to be in tuck on, on Tucker. Yeah. I mean, so that, that's so awesome. That, that documentary is coming out, I think, on June the 11th. And, oh, wow. Uh, oh, I, I recorded um, two and a half hours worth of interviews for that. So that is fantastic. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, Tucker is the most over here in the States. Tucker is the, I believe, if my facts are straight here, pretty much the most watched thing on TV. Um, yeah. So that's that's pretty incredible. You know, he had like Curtis Yarbin on going back. I mean, T- Tucker is a. Uh, Flying kind of close to the sun <laughs> from the point yeah. of view of sensors, I suppose, but he's doing 
a great yeah, I thing. Mean, speaking of which, this is a follow-up on his episode on January 6th. I think that was his first documentary. Yeah. So yes. this is very much, you know, a politically resonant series. And uh, yeah, I think your episode is going to be a great addition. Absolutely. And I, I think, um, yeah, it's, it's just really heartening that people like you are kind of starting to come across what would otherwise be considered mainstream conservative outlets like Fox News. Um, because I think, yeah, I, I, as you said, it's a, it's a great tragedy that conservatism has moved so far away from uh, questions uh, of, uh, you know, of preserving the natural world and, and, and as well as health. Um, but I do think the conversation is changing. I think it's an important part of how we win. Uh, and then we'll get into this with man's world as well, kind of yeah. cultivating this image of vitality and health and um, sexiness, even not to be weird about it, but like uh, that people like you and BAP really cultivate uh, and man's world is a, is a really good encapsulation of, I mean, this is how, you know, you, it's something that you look at like uh, the sixties and, and, and you talk about hippies and whatnot. I think a part of how they won was kind of tying themselves to this image of, of a healthier way. And mm -hmm. I think it's time for the right to do the same. I think it's already happening. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, it's, I, I think things are changing and they're actually changing fast. And, and you can see, you can see the influence that we're starting to have on the mainstream. Now you see, you know, you'll see um, Tucker, for instance, um, talking about uh the russian revolution and how he's just recently read a memoir you know by by a russian general about <laughs> the way that the, the way that the bolsheviks um behaved you know releasing releasing convicts from prisons and stuff to fight for them and all that kind of stuff and then you realize that actually what he's done is he's he's obviously read always with honor yeah which was published by mystery grove ah, yeah mystery grove books you know one of our one of our top um one of our top uh, guys, top, top, guys. Publishing, top little publishing houses. And, you yeah. know, I mean, that's a, that's a big thing. That's it a is. big thing. And yeah. you get, you get um, Tucker as well at the National Conservative Conference, I think in 2019, started talking about the Bronze Age collapse, which <laughs> I don't know. I mean, is that, is that a dog whistle? I don't know. But oh, I, I think so. I, I think mean, Tucker is getting his notes from track twitter right the, the question notes from the anons the, the question basically. isn't whether tucker is queued into frog twitter it's which anon account is tucker <laughs> i would say at this yeah. point but yeah. yeah um no it's amazing stuff but um to, to focus on the raw eggs just a little bit longer um do you sure. want to just describe sort of what's the slunk you know how many how many raw eggs do you eat a day just kind of the more uh the details of that um you know you've you've laid it out elsewhere but if you want to do it yeah no, of course yeah, yeah well well, um, I mean, if you're, how do I do it? Well, I, I, I vary my, um, my slonking routine. So sometimes if I'm slightly less concerned about calories, then I do what I call the OG, uh, slonk, which is the original Gironda. So this is how Vince Gironda, who is basically the figurehead of, of raw egg nationalism. He was a sixties, fifties and sixties bodybuilder, very, very unconventional trained Arnold Schwarzenegger, Frank Zane, all of these, these great, bodybuilders and and had some very unorthodox ideas but was incredibly influential um uh so he took raw eggs uh you would say have six in a six in a glass and then you'd mix that with half and half which is half raw milk full fat and half heavy cream and then you might add you might add a banana if you want a banana or some honey or maple syrup or something. So it's, it's basically custard. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, it's delicious. It's delicious. There's nothing, there's nothing icky about taking raw eggs like that. It's actually delicious. But then sometimes if I, if I uh, am a little bit more concerned about my calorie intake, then I just take the raw eggs as they come Rocky style, um, which is slightly less appetizing, I must say, but you get used to it. You get used yeah. to it. The, the white is the least appetizing part as you'd expect. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but but once you once you've done it a few times, it's 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 no problem. I mean, the thing about the the thing about the raw eggs is most people think it's just about the protein. That's uh, you know that would be the the kind of um, popular. I think the popular sort of well, it is a misconception. I mean, it is about the protein. The protein's important, but what it is more importantly, what it's about is the cholesterol. And this is something that Vince Gironda Vince Gironda um, really sort of twigged in the 60s because he he read all sorts of scientific papers uh and interestingly enough he knew about he knew about the way the burns victims used to be treated so interestingly enough burns victims um if you suffer burns then you'll also suffer muscle wastage um that's just that's just what happens you know if you yeah. suffer burns then your muscles waste uh because of the because of the tissue damage and yeah up until the i think up until about the 1940s or 50s burns victims were treated at least in the us with a, a massive uh a diet of of massive quantities of raw eggs or, or eggs rather they took eggs in raw form and, and cooked and uh and and as um they they took them with wine and stuff and they, all, all kinds of different ways anyway they would have about 36 eggs a day and then that treatment was replaced with uh modern steroids with the first modern steroids like dianabol and i think that vince basically came to the conclusion that the raw eggs were or the eggs were working in basically in the same way as the dianabol as a kind of natural as a kind Mm -hmm. of natural steroid um and this has actually been substantiated since you know more recently in the past sort of decade or so by scientific studies that have shown that there is a there's a linear dose relationship between consumption of cholesterol and muscle gain. Um, so basically the more cholesterol you consume, the more muscle you can put on, uh, or at least under the particular sort of um, controlled scientific conditions of the studies that were done. Um, and it actually has a more powerful anabolic effect consumption of cholesterol than consumption of protein so you know you think oh the more protein you consume the more muscle mass well actually the effect is stronger with cholesterol than with with yeah. protein De- um, definitely one of the things i learned re- that i had no concept of until reading your work but continue <laughs> yeah no it's well it's well the th- i mean the thing is if, if you want to look for a I, I don't think you could find a substance in Western medicine that has been more demonized than cholesterol, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, cholesterol is the cholesterol is Satan basically. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I get my blood tests back and they say you, you have high cholesterol and it's like, I, I wonder how bad is this actually to have, you know, slightly not like off the charts, but yeah. It, uh, I, I suspect, and, you know, um, having, you know, read a little bit of your work and others, mm. it's you know, perhaps okay to have slightly high cholesterol. Perhaps it's a good thing. Well, well, listen, um, I mean, I, I'm talking about this much more in my new book, uh, which I'm currently putting the finishing touches to called the eggs Benedict options. Yes. Very funny. Um, <laughs> uh, 
I, I talk about cholesterol at length because I'm talking about plant-based diets. I'm talking about the Great Reset, the World Economic Forum's planetary health diet that they're pushing, which is basically a global plant-based plant-based alternative diet for 10 billion people, which is what they reckon the population will be in 2050. And so I'm talking about why plant-based diets are bad. And one of the reasons plant-based diets are bad is because they basically don't have any cholesterol in them. Um, My grandmother lived to 88 with cholesterol in the high 200s, possibly mm. even 300s throughout yeah. her whole life. Never yeah. had a single problem with her heart. And like yeah. she, what she, she died, she died of cancer. No, no, it wasn't cancer. It was something else. But it, it was an old age related sure. disease. Yeah. And it was but, not her heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, listen, I mean, there, there are a myriad of studies that show that actually if cholesterol decreases, you have a great uh, higher chance of all-cause mortality. I mean, having having low cholesterol is an is a nightmare, and there is a there is actually a genetic disease that makes you have very low cholesterol. And I mean, it's it, it's appalling what it actually does to you. I mean, if if you're not if you're not spontaneously aborted by your mother when you have this, <laughs> when you have this um, uh, low cholesterol syndrome. Uh, you're not going to live for very long. I mean, cholesterol is basically, well, there's a good quote, quotation. I can't remember who it was. I think it's Lier Keith, who is a kind of militant anti-vegan feminist. Strange bed, strange bedfellow <laughs> to me, but she's quite a good writer. And she says some interesting things. She says, if, if, you, if we didn't have cholesterol, we would be puddles, basically. I mean, mm-hmm. cholesterol is what gives our bodies structure at the cellular level. Cholesterol is necessary for the formation of cell membranes and that's what holds all the water in basically because mm-hmm. that's what we are fundamentally is is water yeah. primarily or liquid um so yeah i mean there's a whole there's 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 a lot of there are a lot of studies and there's a lot of science that actually flies totally in the face of what your physician will tell you or you'll hear on the television or the radio or see it read in a magazine about cholesterol i mean cholesterol really is not far from far from being the great satan it is actually essential absolutely essential and not having enough of it makes you very ill hmm. good to know i'm gonna give her a what for next time i see her <laughs> yeah. yeah do <clears throat> do she, um, she won't have it won't have anything to say in response either i mean there's oh, just I'm, I'm sure she will yeah she won't <laughs> she'll probably get she'll probably get upset but yeah <laughs> Uh, on this note, though, what um, how would you re- recommend sort of gauging? So the the diet you well, I, again, I, as you say at the beginning of, of your first book, you know, this isn't your book. Kind of, I think you're referencing BAP. You say it's neither philosophy or exhortation. You're not telling anyone what to do. You're just kind of sharing what you do. Um, yeah. But on that note, I would say a lot of your writing, a lot of the the diet, the diet that, as you have it, because you are, uh, you would say you're a bodybuilder, correct? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I do weight training regularly for, for strength and aesthetics. Um, I mean, I'm not a bodybuilder in the sense that I don't, I'm not interested in competing. And I, right. And also, I also I'm still a natty. So you know, I'm not, I'm not thinking anytime mm. soon of uh, going on steroids or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I mean, yes. I, th- I think that the, I think there's a little bit of confusion about what it means to be a right wing bodybuilder. Like it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't just mean. Um, being a bodybuilder who, who in the conventional sense of, you know, training to go on the stage and all that kind of stuff, it's, it's, it's just, 
it's 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 a more literal thing it's about building the body oh as yeah the, as the kind of um, foundation of a of a right-wing or particular right-wing political philosophy maybe a little more and you admire you know competitive bodybuilders and you write about them in your i think second yeah. book uh three lives yes. of golden age bodybuilders as well as your book on geronda so you like those people but in some ways i think being a right-wing bodybuilder is more mishima less geronda per se because it's 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 the interaction of body and uh yes. philosophy yeah. so to speak or philosophy maybe Word, yeah, but, you know. I I mean yeah. someone someone who is interesting who I've written about is or a, a body but an actual bodybuilder who is interesting is Mike Mentzer. I wrote about him in um, issue three of Man's World. He was he should have been Mister Olympia in nineteen in nineteen eighty, but he wasn't because Arnold Arnold did a comeback mm-hmm. that was a very very dodgy comeback because he was so popular and um, uh, sort of so influential. Then he managed to sort of um, to, to win the Mr. Olympia when he shouldn't, basically on the basis just of who he was, the fact that he was such a big name by that mm-hmm. point. But Mike, Mike Mensa was probably the most cerebral bodybuilder, I think, certainly the most cerebral sort of mainstream bodybuilder there's ever been. And he had a, a very developed... I mean, he, he was a big fan of Ayn Rand, but also of mm-hmm. Nietzsche and... And other people like that, and he has he had a very de- a very sort of uh, developed philosophy of bodybuilding, basically as a surrogate for war. So it's like man, yeah. man's natural man's natural activity is is um, uh, aggressive contest, and in the modern world that is taken away from us, and so we need to find some sort of satisfying surrogate if if, yeah. if we want to live satisfying satisfying lives. And so uh, I talk about that. I. I wrote this article in issue three of man's world called uh mike mensa's golden age mindset yeah so like as a as a sort of riff on bronze age mindset just talking about actually how how similar a lot of the things he says in his books because he wrote books about bodybuilding that were also about the philosophy of bodybuilding he was he was really probably the first person to actually try to give bodybuilding certainly in, in america like a philosophical bent no, it's fascinating. Um, yeah, I mean, because I yeah, do think that's interesting. I don't know. I don't know how. I mean, I'm sure Bap could point to certain passages or something. I don't know how much Nietzsche talked about, you know, physical exercise, but you know, the, what I've heard on on Caribbean rhythms and elsewhere is, you know, that that Nietzsche was in fact a pretty physically sturdy guy. And, and but so I don't know how much Nietzsche himself wrote about it, but it seems that there is a natural crossover toward uh, from Nietzsche, probably even from someone like Ayn Rand, certainly from Bap, certainly from Mishima mm. toward that kind of you know very philosophically serious bodybuilding is a very philosophically serious undertaking you know as a surrogate for war yeah. as a uh, yeah as as a process of self mastery i think that's I, well, that's a, an important way of putting it self mastery and i think that that is <clears throat> that's what nietzsche in large part is about well that's one yes, of the things yeah. that nietzsche is is very definitely about self overcoming self mastery mm-hmm. uh as a process of, of, of gaining self-knowledge as well, among other things. Um, yeah. So, I mean, so yes, I mean, you can definitely, yeah, you can definitely um, recruit that into a sort of uh, bodybuilding based philosophy, I think for sure. Yeah. I mean, you can probably see over zoom right now that I'm not exactly Vince Geronda myself, but I do work out and you know, over the past year, I uh, have gotten much more serious about it. And I've said this on, a, on our, some of our past episodes, when I was able to start getting a better workout and, and lifting schedule is when I started thinking about it, not in terms of like, oh, I got to 
got to do this as part of some lifestyle thing to be healthy, blah, blah, blah. More like mm. almost tying into a certain level of esotericism or, or like meditation and just like um, a process of, yeah, basically a process of self-mastery and a way of sort of exercising uh, psychological demons or so, I, however you want to put it. Basically just taking mm. it that deeper level of serious as a yeah. necessary and vital process to my well-being in a deeper mm. sense than just physical health, but but also, to, you know, it's spiritual steal, in short. Yeah. To steal a phrase from Matt's essay, Renaissance of the Ritual, <laughs> it, uh, bodybuilding itself is a kind of ritual. And yep. it's something you do every day or every other day. Um, I'm more of an every other day kind of guy these days. <laughs> but um, it's, you know, it's peaceful. It centers you. And it provides you with a sort of, um, yes, discipline that carries over into other aspects of your life. And uh, yeah, the spiritual component is, I'm sure you would agree, quite uh, as almost as important as the mental component or as the physical component. Yeah, yeah, well, I I mean, I think, I I think you can quite safely say as well that it makes you, when you actually take care of your body, it makes you not only feel differently, but think differently as well. And that, that yes. I think is one of the, that's one of the main, the main points, I think, or the main, the main kind of thrusts of the RWBB um, yes. program is that actually, you know, if, if you modern day leftism is the product of a particular lifestyle, a particular way of living, a particular, you know, yeah. and, and, and you oh, only absolutely. have to look, you only have to look at, modern day leftists to see that you know like bring up bring up the pictures from the um 2020 most mostly peaceful protests you know those those (laughs) incredible incredible mug shots from portland oregon uh i mean we we are talking about a, a, a particular way of living that produces like people who look a particular way absolutely uh, and and as a result they think a particular way like it's it's not uh it's not a coincidence that these people are kind of like oh, yeah, probably, probably yeah. Ugly, overweight um you know malnourished un- unhealthy <laughs> yeah yeah when i was like 15 and getting into weightlifting for the first time i i was kind of surprised because after like you know two or three hours in the gym is you know my first few weeks or months doing it and i'd walk out and i'd be like damn, I feel like a million bucks. I feel fucking great. And like, it it took a little while for it to sink in because I wasn't like reading about it or anything. But then I realized, Mm. oh, this actually does make you feel good. It makes you Mm. feel mentally healthy. Well, one of the, one of the things I think that that a lot of people are deprived of um, these days is a sense of, a sense of physical accomplishment, you know, like, yeah. Most people genuinely, or a lot of people genuinely, haven't ever done anything that's made them feel accomplished physically. You know, like and 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 so, actually, getting in the gym, if if you can get yourself into the gym and start lifting weights, you know, it changes the way you feel about yourself. It changes, it opens up new horizons. You know, it really does. You know, suddenly, suddenly, you're like, actually, I can, I can take control of my circumstances, and I can. I can mold myself in a, in a particular direction and make myself something that previously I wasn't. I mean, I think that that is a very, very important experience. And there's a, there's a great passage. um, uh, 
there's a great bit in Bronze Age mindset about the swole left. Do you remember this? <laughs> yeah, and how it's not real. <laughs> yeah, and, and basically how and basically how it's an oxymoron, and the fact that you know, like, if leftists actually all started taking up weightlifting and and getting swole, they'd cease to be leftists. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and, and I do think that that's true. I mean, you'd probably still get some, you might get some swole leftists, but on the whole, I think most people would probably would have start a to drift. Yeah. yeah, would have a very profound change of heart. Yeah, yeah, no, I think so too. And crucially, in terms of the 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 lifestyle versus politics of it all, the the lifestyle is something that you can have total control of. So even when political matters seem completely out of our hands, this is something that anybody can do you know in the privacy of their own home is is start to move in this in this positive direction in terms of of physical health and i i do think as you said i think the political stuff just comes along completely part and parcel of it Mm. yeah totally yeah but on on this note i guess what would your what would your recommendation be to to the bug men of the world <laughs> or maybe that's the wrong way of putting it because maybe bug men if they're truly bug men are too far gone yeah. but if someone's listening to this maybe they don't work out maybe they or you know maybe they're like dan and i like well the, you know, we, the normie yeah. right the normie the, yeah the, mm-hmm. the fitness normie like like yeah. us basically you know yeah. like where where, where do you start you know what it's, it's probably not slunking 34 eggs but maybe it's slunking no <laughs> Uh, no. you know, what are, what are the concrete steps that even like someone who's just like listening to this on their couch, eating potato chips can just dive in? Well, I think, I think that what, what needs to be said to people that isn't said to people, and this is the, this is the dreadful thing I think about the, um, self-esteem movement, you know, this, this sort of, uh, you're, you're wonderful at any size. You can be healthy at any size, you know, be happy with who you are. You don't have to be better. In fact, there isn't such a thing as better. Um, we're all just we're all just different. We're all equally different, and we're all equally superstars, and you know, all that kind of nonsense. Um, I think that people need to first need to realise that actually, this is something that Jordan Peterson says. Actually, you're you're not everything you could be. Like you're really yeah. not everything you could be. You know, there are all sorts of things that you could be and that you could do, and you are wasting you are wasting yourself. Uh, sitting on the sitting on the sofa eating potato chips and watching Netflix or, mm-hmm. or whatever. whatever. Um, yeah. So I think I think that that kind of message is is something that that probably needs to go out um, needs to be said more. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, another thing so, I think. So, so you to- do you do recommend the 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 Jordan Peterson to. Bronze Age pervert extremism <laughs> pipeline we're warned about. <laughs> In short, <laughs> I do. Yeah, yeah. I do. No, I, I definitely yeah. do think that he's a. Uh, he's definitely. He's for all his faults, and he does have. I, I think some quite, you know, quite many faults yeah. like all of us, and and they're very visible because he's such a visible personality. He he has done a lot of good, and I think. Oh he yeah. Has, he's woken a lot of people up, and he has, he has brought particular very pressing issues actually into into the, the, the light of day in a, in a way that would, would never have happened otherwise absolutely that yeah. yeah. new right pod is a is a uh, jordan peterson respecter podcast for sure absolutely. he comes up a lot and uh, we we like him but yeah. i mean his limitations I mean, not... are the limitations of the average boomer con and yeah. you know that's okay yeah that's it's, yeah. he's doing the best he can do and and it's a lot yeah. 
So yeah, that's well, good. it's it's a lot more. It's a lot more than a lot of people do. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, he he genuinely cares, even if obviously he doesn't have all of the answers. And some of the answers he gives, actually, I think, are kind of radically yeah. counterproductive. <laughs> he's still he's still he's still done far more good than harm. Far more good than harm. Um, and on the right side, crucially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, and and also he's talked a lot about health actually because he's had yes. such ill health. And um, <laughs> although I although I don't, I'm not sold on carnivorism uh, huh. as yeah, a general prescription. As a general prescription, I think that he I has actually he has actually talked you know a lot about health and about how his diet and lifestyle has affected his mental health and physical well-being right even if the beef carnivore thing isn't the right answer he's at least thinking about the problems in the right way and realizes that there is an issue with the food supply and that a radical change to eating is necessary yeah Yeah. Um, so i mean so so to go back to this hypothetical person on the couch i think what you try to do firstly is impress on them that actually you can radically change your health you know your health really your what you put in your mouth and, and how you how you um, live on a day to day basis r- will radically affect how you think and feel. Um, and so, just starting off by making small changes, and that is that is I think how everyone should start out is making small changes. That's yeah. that's that's the way to go. You know, if you can start start inculcating some good habits. If, if all of your habits are bad habits, if, if, you know, basically everything that you want to do is bad for you, then if you can start to whittle, whittle away at those things, you know, it will add up over time. And this is, this I think is another thing that people don't realize is, is the way that progress works, you know, the, the, the cumulative sort of snowball effect of progress. You start with something small, and then something a bit bigger and then something a bit bigger yeah, than that. And, it, and eventually, you know, a year later or 18 months later or two years later, you're, you're unrecognizable as a person. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whether it's that's, literally bodybuilding or even metaphorically. Mm, right. Yeah. 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 I mean, look, even, even if to start off with what you're trying to do is if you're obese, trying to be a reasonably healthy weight. I mean, that's a massive achievement. If you mm-hmm. can shed oh, yes. huge amounts of weight and stop eating junk food all the time and just start to get active, even if you, even if the only thing you're doing is walking around the block or, you know, just walking a bit more or walking up and down the stairs or whatever that, that is, that is, um, that, that is progress. And, you should be happy with that and you should and you should be applauded for it too i mean i i, I would applaud anybody who, mm-hmm. who wants to, to change their life fundamentally because every incentive now is is the opposite is pointed in the direction of not doing that so right yeah. i think so much of it is about just breaking out of inertia even with something like mm-hmm. food supply it's like we're kind of conditioned to think, oh, we just have to eat this because it's kind of what's in front of us. And you start to realize like you don't need a massive amount of money or a massive amount of time to just change your uh, your eating habits in subtle yet profound ways. And mm-hmm. and as you said, it's a muscle that you exercise. You start to break out of that inertia a little bit, exercise a little bit more control because so much in the world is, t- mm-hmm. is trying to get you to eschew control and, and just go yeah. along with the soy globalist yeah. flow. And if you can exercise that muscle a little bit of, of breaking out in the ways you can, mm-hmm. Uh, as you said, you know, within give it a year, and all of a sudden you're 
uh, you know, consuming raw eggs, raw milk, whatever the else the case might be. We're all we're all in different places along our journey. Maybe it starts with cutting out seed oils or whatever the case might be. Yeah. But you, you start small and you and you exercise that muscle, I think. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I mean, that is a I mean it's a piece of it's a piece of wisdom that we've always known, but we seem to have forgotten. You know, it's like the like the biblical proverb, look after the small things and the or, or take care of the small things and the you know the big things will look after themselves uh it's um and that that i think actually is something that jordan peterson has done is draw people's attention back to wisdom to ancient wisdom i mean so much of his work is is concerned with the wisdom contained in the bible for instance Mm -hmm. you know that we that is that is part of our incredibly rich cultural tradition civilizational tradition that we've just forgotten totally forgotten because we've not been taught it, because people haven't taken care of it, because we've been arrogant enough to think that we can that we can do without it, that we are, you know, because of the because of science or whatever, you know, that we don't need to listen to people who were religious, who uh, believed in a god or, or whatever it is. Um, so that that I mean that is another great thing I think that Jordan Peterson has done, hmm. and uh, redounds to his credit. Definitely. Uh, we'll get on to man's world more squarely in a moment, but Dan, you were going to ask something, uh, regarding, so I yeah. had one question uh, and I'm obviously you, you seem to be from the United Kingdom and <laughs> I, I studied abroad in London yep. for a while. I studied abroad at a, another university in, um, in the UK as well. And I, I noticed the first time I was there in 2007, I guess I was around 21 and I yep. was just an American 21 year old and I was, you know, in, in pretty good shape. I went to the gym more or less every day. I, I lifted, I was probably like 140 and could bench press. I mean, it doesn't sound like much by bodybuilder standards, but like 215 or something. Yeah. So I was in good shape. And among the, uh, I was living with, uh, I think pretty much 18 year old Brits and I was one of the most in shape men among like, you know, mm. 200 uh, men. Yeah. And it, it was just, it was insane to me that I'm like, cause I, I certainly had no, you know, experience being the like Olympian of the group. Mm. And that was, it was very interesting. But then when I went back for more study in the UK in 2013, that had all changed. And yeah. the, the UK had become like fully like gym pilled as it were, or fitness pilled. Yeah. So I, I was wondering, like, is that your experience in the, you know, trajectory of uh, UK fitness? How, I think, uh, how? Yeah, I do. I do think that a lot of younger men now are, maybe because of Instagram and things like that, mm-hmm. or may, maybe just because, maybe just because sort of uh, knowledge about bodybuilding and weightlifting and and uh, the sort of um, the how to or how to's of, of these things is, is more commonly accessible now with things like YouTube. Um, yeah, I, I would definitely say that, that fitness is fitness is mainstream in a way that it wasn't, yeah, 10, 15 years ago. Um, I mean, the thing about the UK is that we don't have the sort of um, the high school sports thing that you have in the US, you know, where you have like people being selected from a very young age as elite athletes, you know, and then they're going to go on to college to wrestle or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And you have like the school, the school track stars and the school football stars who are like the heroes. You don't have that so much over here. Um, 
Yeah, no, I that mean, makes we do, sense. We do, we, do, we do play a lot of sports. I mean, I played football and rugby and, and did athletics and stuff, but it doesn't seem to have that kind of... Um, Intense. Yeah. American. Yeah, that, that you have over there. But, but yes, I, I, I would say that... Um, I mean, although people have definitely got much fatter in the last 15 years over here as well, you, you do see a lot more young men. I mean, I think a lot of young men take steroids now as well, or SARMs yeah. or things like that. So you, you do see these sort of um, yeah. men in ex, in ex, young men in extremely tight T-shirts um, <laughs> with, no, their I, big, I, with their big arms. I but, just but remember yes, it is. walking the streets and I... Yeah, I guess I'm doxing myself here. It's in Oxford. And uh, this this guy was is running by me and he's in like a tank and shorts. Mm. And this guy looks like he could be on the fucking like Olympic team. And I'm like, really? well, what happened to the UK? Like, this is <laughs> yeah. an entirely different island. What have they been putting in the water? Maybe they've been putting... Um, exactly. Some, trend, uh, trend in the water milk. or something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. I guess going off that though, how did, um, and if it's to the extent you're comfortable talking about it, how did you get into all this stuff with, uh, I guess with nutrition and then the political dimension of it? I mean, I don't know if you, you probably, I assume you have a lot of foreknowledge. So I assume you weren't red pilled on Twitter. It seems like more like you're bringing a certain amount of knowledge to this yeah. sphere. Uh, but yeah, again, to the extent you're, you're comfortable talking about it, I know you seem to have a background sure. in nutrition as a, as a cook, as a chef. I know you've done a little bit. So I'm just curious kind of what the trajectory yeah. was there. Well, I mean, I, I would, I've always, I've always been a, a traditionalist, I would say. So mm -hmm. I think, I think that that, that, that sort of uh, foundation was always there. Um, but it's, it's really in recent years, probably since about 2016, that it's really, I, te I tended to kind of avoid politics in this country because politics in this country is, I mean, it's, I know that it's a, I know that it's a, um, a sideshow in the U S as well, but there's a kind of politics in this country is pretty dismal really. And it, mm. it's kind of, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's just depressing really. Yeah. It's just depressing. You don't even have any, you don't have any of the kind of, I don't know. There's, there's a bit more glamour to it. Maybe, maybe glamour isn't the right word, but there's something about U S politics. Maybe it's just the scale and the fact that you yeah. know, the U S is the world's, the world's most powerful country that it just doesn't quite seem as kind of pathetic as it does over here. So uh, yeah, I didn't pay too much attention to politics, although I mean, my orientation was always as a traditionalist. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but 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 events of yeah the events of 2016 post 2016 really started to make me really started to wake me up for um, sure. Uh, but the the fitness stuff the fitness stuff then I've always I've I was a, a sportsman at school, um, uh, martial artist uh, for a while. Uh, used to gotcha. teach martial art. Used to teach martial arts. Um, uh, but I, I wasn't, I wasn't so much a bodybuilder as a, like a calisthenics kind of, kind of dude. So I would, I would do a lot of body weight stuff. I was really lean as a, as a martial artist. I was like a welterweight. Mm -hmm. So I was, you know, 140 pounds, something like that, but, but shredded. Um, whereas now I'm probably 210 pounds. So I've put mm -hmm. on about 70 pounds, 70 pounds, <laughs> which is quite yeah. a lot. Um, uh, so yeah, so so the the basis of all of it was there. I think the basis of of it was I I didn't really have a I wouldn't say I've ever had a grand awakening. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Because yeah, you, my, you have, yeah. Go on. Sorry. 
I was just saying, although my eyes have very definitely been opened by mm. certain things, I yeah, and there's no grand, there's no road to Damascus moment for me, I would say. Right, right, right. Yeah, you you, you find both types on our side, people who kind of just naturally been mm. inclined toward everything yeah. sort of from the start, developing over time. And then, yeah, you, there are, I mean, I, I'm a little more road to Damascus. Not that I have a great story or anything. I just, I, you know, was more liberal at a certain period of my life and you, you turn around. Um, yeah, I mean, my story is the same as Matt's, uh, you know, maybe even more pointed of a turnaround. But yeah, it, yeah. Uh, it varies person by person. We all end up in the same place, hopefully. Um, hopefully. But um, let's definitely talk a little more about Man's World. Uh, you, mm. We just, we did, you know, both of us have, are, are fans of BAP, so we did hear you on Caribbean Rhythms. Uh, mm-hmm. talking about the sort of origin of the magazine. Um, but again, you w- want to give it to our listeners too. So how would you uh, sort of describe what Man's World is and what what kind of, ma- you know, the mission is to make man- men's magazines great again, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the mission statement. It was a kind of, it was kind of a lovely, a lovely sort of, um, well, maybe not a mistake, but it was definitely a lovely um uh, a sort of piece of serendipity really I, I when I was writing my second book um, uh, about which was three lives of golden age bodybuilders one of whom uh, is Reg Park who was Arnold Schwarzenegger's mentor and in the 1950s and 60s he had a men's magazine called Man's World Man's World and the Reg Park Journal hmm. and it was a mixture of it was very heavily bodybuilding focused as you'd expect uh, but also had other sort of uh, Kind of articles of interest for young men let's say you know like kind of um uh weird and wonderful tales and all that kind of stuff and stuff about sort of male health and sexuality and all that kind of stuff and mm-hmm. i i just thought oh man man's world is a cool title for a magazine that's a cool title um which got me thinking then about men's magazines in general because i'd i'd sort of as a teenager then i'd read lads magazines i don't know if you're familiar with lads oh yeah 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 yeah. there's a magazine in the united states called boys life which is associated with boy scouts so i don't know if that quite counts lads magazine may be more of a well i think you probably mean more of a like a maxim or a stuff type thing yeah yeah so that's yeah that's the kind of that's (laughs) the kind of thing that that. we had over that we had over here so it was like a kind of magazine for young blokes you know about women and there would usually be some sort of nudie pictures and other stuff about sort of like being a young bloke and getting drunk and, mm-hmm. and that kind of Very stuff popular in the early 2000s and yeah I, yes. I remember there's even a facebook group called lad bible or something i don't know if that's yes yeah well lad, lad, but yeah <laughs> lad lad bible was like a kind of online lad magazine type thing and now it's been rebranded now it's been rebranded and it's kind of it's 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 gone woke basically yeah i'm not surprised like that. like all of them yeah i mean yeah. actually even we, there, i don't know if you guys are familiar there's a thing called barstool sports over here which mm. i feel like is like vaguely I, down I know from about. that um yeah but pro- I, I don't read it but i assume is fairly woke but anyway mm. they these things exist but they have been severely yeah. compromised <laughs> so short. so i kind of i kind of read read lads magazines as a teenager mainly for the mainly for the naked women but um uh <laughs> just thinking about i was just thinking like because i had read playboy as well you know Mm -hmm. i'd seen playboy and and i was thinking about that um very famous sort of joke that's actually not a joke i read playboy for the articles yeah and the thing is actually that's true you know someone like 
when you, when you actually look back at Playboy in the 50s, 60s, 70s, right through actually into the early 2000s, then really great people used to write <clears throat> for Playboy. You know, someone yeah, like yes. Vladimir Nabokov got oh, yeah. one of his got one of his big breaks in Playboy. John Updike, um, Michael Crichton. Norman Mailer, yeah, all these, all these great people were. I mean, yeah, there were naked women in Playboy, but also the content was, was fantastic. And it's genuinely stuff that you wanted to read. Genuinely, genuinely um, interesting and exciting. And what, what a great package it was. Once upon a time. Oh yeah. So, so I, I did this, I did this joke tweet where I was like, oh, if I, if I revived Reg Park's Man's World magazine, would you subscribe to it? And I mocked up a cover. Um, uh, with a picture of Ziz, the famous, um, the famous meme meme bodybuilder who is, you know, sort of ubiquitous on RWBB Twitter and and fit on 4chan and stuff. Um, I put him on the front, and uh, I got a good response. And so I thought, well, actually, you know what? Maybe this isn't a stupid idea. Maybe yeah. it maybe it wouldn't be a stupid idea to gather together all of the all of the interesting personalities on right-wing Twitter and, and get them to produce articles about the kind of subjects that we all want to read. Yeah. All, no, in, one, all in one place. I, I was telling Dan kind of in advance, like it, the, the Twitter aesthetic uh, or the, not the aesthetic, aesthetic, but also like the Twitter medium lends itself really well to the magazine medium. It's the same thing. You're mm. kind of scrolling through there's short form content, there's pictures, um, yeah. So what man's world feels like uh, is kind of like uh, Twitter on steroids or like the, the best elements of Twitter in this high gloss package, you know, because there's yeah. always going to be a lot of crap on Twitter too, a lot yeah. of waste of time type stuff. But man's world like takes all the best people, all the best imagery, all the best ideas mm. and um, puts them in one place. I think that's one of the reasons it has, it strikes me that man's world has been, you know, you say it started as almost like a joke or a serendipitous little thing yeah. but uh it strikes me it's been a massive success and every uh, every issue gets bigger mm. every issue yeah. attracts bigger names and i think it, the fact that it lends itself so well to the people that are contributing mm. to it and and their kind of content is i think part of that well i mean the, the thing is you know all, all these different <clears throat> people have sub stacks or they you know maybe Absolutely. write essays maybe write essays for uh american conservative or or whatever but like it's it's something different when you actually get all of that stuff together in one place you know yeah it, it is it is it becomes something that's greater than the sum of its parts definitely yeah um, and it doesn't have that sort of more transient element of twitter where it kind of no. feels like it's all shouting into the void it's like a really solid mm. item and well, you can get I think it the yeah word we're looking for is magazine it's a yeah. men's magazine yeah. and yeah. that is something that we've missed because yeah. like, I think this really speaks to a certain consumer who's like a millennial man and mm. like, or maybe Gen X, I don't know, who grew up reading magazines. I, I grew up mm. reading Esquire and yeah, yeah. Maxim and, uh, and even Playboy. And like, you know, it was like, there is a magazine for you. And they talked mm. about stuff that men wanted to know about. But now yeah. you open Esquire and it's like uh, 11 ways you can be woker in the workplace or something. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to throw this out the fucking window. And I, you know, there's that's essentially every men's magazine is like that now. Yeah. So there's a real vacuum in the marketplace. And like this is a breath of fresh air because it is a magazine 
and like it has stuff that is applicable to men and uh, crucially like in your first uh, issue you set forth uh the vision of the man's world reader the uh, the globo yeah. omo in the italian <laughs> yeah. pronunciation yeah. And yeah. I, I think that was a really neat trick, a really neat way to, you know, kind of um, center the message of the magazine mm-hmm. because uh, Playboy and Esquire, they both had like a conception of this is an Esquire man. This is a Playboy yeah. man. Yeah. And we need to get back to that. We need yeah. to get back to like aspirational manhood. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, th- I think that's, I think that's a very, very, it's a very, very good way of putting it. Um, and one of the things, I mean, that's one of the things about, so my, I mean, my main model is Playboy, really. So I've, I've got a lot of copies of Playboy now from various different issues, right, from various different awesome. eras, rather, mm-hmm. right back to the 1950s. Um, uh, so I, I pay a lot of attention to, to Playboy and to the way that Playboy was laid out and to the, to the kinds of messaging and advertising that were used in Playboy. And... Um, uh, I, th- I think that it's important. So I've, I've, I riff on the who is the Playboy man type yeah. adverts that were, that were always in Playboy uh, and try to sort of um, update them playfully, uh, you know, for the, for the massively, um, massively online era. Uh, I mean, that's, again, that's, that's one thing that, that a magazine format allows you to do to have advertisements and I make a lot of fake advertisements as well as advertising for people who on our side who have great products like Greco gum, Mm -hmm. Mastic gum, Alaska Chaga who sell Chaga mushrooms. Um, You know, I have adverts for books and all sorts of products, apparel, all that kind of stuff. But then there's also these, these fake advertisements as well, which actually, I mean, I, I have so much fun doing them. I have so much fun doing them. It's oh, such yeah. a blast uh, to come up with a, a fake brand that I can use to to blast, you know, like Cuxervative uh, Coffee Company. Yeah, or, right. The kind, kind of meme thing. ones. Yeah, the, they're definitely funny. And yeah, but I, I was, uh, I did want to comment on the advertisements. Like, or, I just, I just mm. pronounced it the British way. I'm a poser. We call them advertisements. <laughs> anyway. uh, yeah, no, um, definitely. As with any great magazine, the advertisements are like, a really big part of the appeal in, in man's mm. world. And um, I think it's really heartening. And let me know if any of these are fake, but I, I think they are. I think these ones would all be real because they're not, you know, the, I feel like the fake ones are uh, the, the fake ads are the more funny ones, I suppose. Yeah. But um, th- it's very heartening to me that, I, you know, I'm sure these companies are owned by like fairly based individuals, but I mean, mm. it, a lot of them just seem like fairly normal products. So there's an ad for cigars, I think, in the last one. And yeah, this... M- Mombacho cigars from Mombacho. Nicaragua. Yeah, yeah. and... Nice. Uh, uh, raw honey and yep. there's that clothing brand that Legoria something or other oh, um, legio legio gloria legio gloria there you go nice um yeah very heartening to me it, it kind of bodes well i think that you know uh, a fairly dissident right or however you want to put it magazine can actually attract people with yeah. companies and money to sell their to sell their wares mm-hmm. and they're obviously very aesthetic ads as well yeah. um and it makes the whole thing feel that much more real you know what i mean because like there is an issue in our corner of twitter it's like it, it's such a small group and like some of these ideas mm. are unacceptable and you know you kind of feel you don't want to feel ghettoized but uh man's yeah. world is like the opposite of, of like a ghettoizing thing mm. i mean obviously it's a pretty particular set of people who are reading and contributing but mm. nevertheless 
it um perhaps more than anything, you know, BAP's book is great for this. There's a lot of there's a lot of great aestheticians out there who are putting out good aesthetics. But Man's mm. World, perhaps more than anything else I've seen, feels like this great product that you could like pretty much give to a normie. You know, you have to be careful with mm. that, but still you could, and yeah. they'd be like, This looks like something's going on here. There's all these people, yeah. there's people selling stuff. Um, again, there's people mm. selling books. I, I we really love the uh the kind of full spread uh book covers in the magazine um it really gets the aesthetics all together uh, in one place in a really interesting way well i, I mean I, I i think of it as a proof of as a proof of concept the magazine i mean so yeah it, it's a it's a proof that or it's it shows us what this is what it would look like if we actually had if we took control of the culture Mm-hmm. If we if wow, we were the yeah. ones if we were the ones dictating if we were the tastemakers if we were the ones on the on the newsagent shelves you know if we were the ones whose billboards you saw walking through Times Square or, or wherever you know I mean that's a that's a big dream but you know it's just like this is actually what it would look like if we were in control of the culture and we can be and we can package our ideas and make them attractive and vital and you know yeah success and successful and successful like it's not there's no reason there's no reason why any of these provinces there's no reason why art uh or 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 television or any of these broader these sort of broader areas have to be dominated by leftists there's absolutely no reason um uh and and the more that we can break that spell because it is a spell it is a spell that that kind of um you know, is, is working on people's minds. You know, this and you, you ties, see, it's, oh, I'm yeah, sorry, go, go on, Dan. No, well, no, go on, this, Dan. Uh, this ties into our original mission statement with New Right, which was to create a, uh, a product or a podcast or a, a platform that can outcompete the existing model. And I think you've mm. done that wonderfully with Man's World. This is a magazine that is a real man's magazine that you know blows the existing men's magazines out of the water. And the more we build parallel institutions, the more we win. I, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I it's a really good way yeah. of putting it. Yeah. I mean, look, look, I'm I'm one person doing this. I'm it's one person doing this magazine. You it's know, impressive. Really Im- imagine imagine what it would be like if you actually got some some money behind you, because I'm not I'm not getting any money for it. I you know, the the, the advertisements are free. Uh, I don't get paid for this, although it probably does generate book sales for me. Um, uh, imagine what you could do if you just had a little bit of institutional backing and some more people. I mean, absolutely, there's no, re- there's no reason why we can't take over. Absolutely no reason at all. Mm. No, absolutely. It's a, it's a, as you said, a proof of concept. I think that's a that's a really excellent way of putting it. Um, we ask this for our own benefit, but also for anyone listening. How does one uh, get an advertisement into uh, to Man's World? Because uh, we, you know, Say we, we invest a little bit of money a... into our new right logo. We would uh, we'd yep. love well, to. <laughs> listen, yep, you can you can have you can have a you can have a double page spread if you'd like. Just let me know. I mean, send me a send me a. This is for anybody. Send me a um, flick a tweet my way, or send me a direct message if I follow you. Or uh, you can send an email to mansworldmagazine at protonmail.com and we can talk. But the advertisements are free. I just want to I just want to help help my brothers on this side of Twitter. So you know if you've got a product to sell or something to advertise, let me know. 
Well, we will definitely be reaching out on that. And anyone listening who similarly Thank you, does. Thank you. Yeah, no, we, we Jen, and we My think pleasure. Our, our logo was done by Matt Lawrence, who does uh, the covers for Delicious Tacos and all nice. the Terror House books. Nice. So we, you know, we invest a little money in our in our logo and we think uh, we think it would look right in place uh, on a double page spread man's well. So we will be in touch about that. Fantastic. Um, sure but, will. But speaking of double page spreads, uh, we definitely want to highlight uh, you did a great spread for our friend T.R. Hudson's uh, book, uh, Automaton. And yeah. um, a great excerpt from that novel. Uh, we, we interviewed TR a uh, handful of episodes a back. Big friend of the pod. Definitely big TR. friend of the pod. Yeah, I think maybe related to TR is probably how we first came across your radar. Uh, sure. calls around that time. So um, definitely just wanted to shout out TR as always, but also to talk about the literary dimension of man's world in general. Um, as you were talking about with, you know, Playboy and, and traditional men's magazines, literature, not only nonfiction, but also fiction and, and literature was always part of it. Playboy, you know, famously mm. uh, giving a platform to uh, Nabokov and, and Updike and, and writers like that. And, and there is fiction in man's world uh, from TR as well as others. Um, I guess, I don't, you know, do you want to just comment on sort of that element of the man's world mission of giving a, uh, similar to what our podcast is trying to do, giving a platform for how how to put it, masculinist friendly literature, men's stories, men's adventure stories have their place. There's that a uh, John Cold uh, serialized story that was in several yep. issues. And yeah, I've been and I've been serializing uh, the Thirty Nine Steps, which is a classic, yes. classic adventure novel from the first just before the First World War or well, nineteen fifteen. Um, uh, which I actually did a I actually did a paperback version of on Amazon. Saw that, it's yeah. The, the first in the Man's World classic series because I think that these uh, a lot of these classic adventure novels are out of um, out of uh, copyright, you know, so you can republish them. So I was thinking of doing a Joseph Conrad novel as the second oh, great. one, but great, yeah, yeah, possibly the um, the uh, what's it called uh, the Shadow Line, which mm. is about which is a kind of supernatural supernatural tale at sea. Uh, it's a kind of like a, a rites of passage sort of novel at sea, short novel. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's a de- there's a danger that 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 you just see that you just see the sort of um, the right wing movement as just a political thing, you know. So oh, you would just have articles about you know politics and maybe some culture and da da da. But actually, I think I think that we need to. This needs to be a totalizing kind of thing, and and we do need to be producing literature and poetry and basically everything you can produce art. So Fender Villiers, for instance, uh, featured uh, his art, his sculpture featured mm-hmm. on the cover of Man's World Issue right. 5. And then there's yeah. a big spread uh, where he talks about his art and philosophy drawing on the Italian futurists. You know, I mean, when was the last time you saw an explicitly right-wing or an explicitly traditionalist, whatever you want to call him, artist producing great art. I mean, like, n- not any time recently. I mean, it, yeah, no. it was really, yeah. <laughs> really incredibly, incredibly striking when I came across his, I can't remember how I came across his work, but come across it, I did, and I'm glad I did. Um, yeah, it's good stuff, yeah. You know, um, I mean, p- poetry, poetry is a difficult one. Poetry is hard. I think, I think the, the place of poetry in, in, modern society modern literature is actually it's just a really vexed question and i don't i, th- I think there are going to be a lot of failures 
in with with right wing poetry before there are any great successes yeah. because you can't you can't just go back to writing to writing <clears throat> poetry like like Tennyson or you know some 19th century writer or like Homer or anything like that i mean it's it's and this is something actually that i think is very good about fendervilliers work is that he doesn't he's not pretending that modernism didn't happen you know yeah yeah a lot no, of a lot of people would like to pretend that, more, that the 20th century didn't happen and i de- and i think that that's a dead end yeah, yeah, no, bring up a good point. We talked a little bit this on our last episode with Gio Panachetti, the right-wing mm-hmm. artist, right-wing painter, um, how, yeah, it's kind of this balance of, of, of representing, uh, you know, traditionalist values, right-wing values, while also mm-hmm. sort of accepting and aesthetically exploring the fact that we are in this kind of postmodern condition. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, there's something, there is, there is something qualitatively different about the modern era. And I think that that needs to be captured in art. I th- and I Absolutely. think that, I think that I think that pretending that there isn't that 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 there isn't that qualitative difference is 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 silly, and is is a form of it's a form of uh, basically escapism. I think you know. I mean, yeah. Like, oh, I think so if, too. Go on. If you'll um, indulge me here, I think this does get back to Matt's essay again in mm. forming new traditions. And uh, yeah, I mean, you, to go back to the, the past is such that like, well, our current institutions are corrupt and the past ideologies or the past movements, they, they have passed for a reason. It's, mm. you know, you, you can't transplant yourself back to 1754. But what yeah. you yeah. can do is you can take what we have today and start a new tradition. And mm. I think that's actually in some ways a very good place to be. Because if you're creative, if you're so like, um, I mean, obviously, Curtis is doing poetry, uh, mm. the, uh, the EIC of Terror House, Matt Forney, he is getting big into poetry and has a chapbook coming mm. out. And um, I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, what these guys do with it, mm. as, yeah. as with all of the guys in our spaces. Definitely. I mean, <laughs> T.S. Eliot is a very, very conservative figure, you know, but also a high modernist. I, I think I think that you, we would be better placed looking at somebody like that. I'm not saying that you should just be imitating T.S. Eliot, um, but that yeah. is that is an interesting trajectory in poetry. You know, that, right. that he was a he was a high yeah. modernist. He was, you know, friends with Virginia Woolf and all of these Bloomsbury people who went on just to write kind of archetypal modernist stuff and yet he went on a personal journey that was it basically took him in totally the opposite direction and yet he was still using modernist forms and developing modernist forms yeah. to express very very traditionalist uh sentiments Ideas. you know mm-hmm. i'm not and, that and, learned go on sorry no 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 that was it no that was basically all, all I was yeah gonna say. i was just gonna say i'm not that learned in poetry so i i don't know if i'm kind of uh i i don't know if this gets to the heart of it but uh, but I, my understanding is Yeats and Ezra Pound, very similar trajectory, um, mm. writing within modernism, but, uh, you know, basically conservative or right wing in orientation, Yeats in a sort of esoteric way. And then Ezra Pound, yes. literally, literally fascistic, uh, but, yeah. but, but, very, but modernist, you know, kind of the poetry, uh, the, the, the analogous thing to like the Italian 
uh, neo-futurists or, or whatever mm. they're, again, not that yeah. learned on these topics. But. Well, what, I mean, what, what, what Fend Villiers is doing, which I think is interesting is he's, he's, he's sort of trying to, he's trying to get back to the point or he's looking back at, at the point when things went wrong, you know, mm -hmm. because there obviously was a point at which things went wrong. You know, there were, there was all sorts of promise in the, in the futurist movement, for instance, in the twenties and, and thirties. And then it went in one particular direction, which led you know, ultimately to postmodernism, which is a which is a, a a graveyard, really, which is the graveyard of culture. Mm -hmm. um, what would happen? What would happen if you know if we identified the moment when actually there was a there was a fork in the road and it could have gone a different way? What, yeah, right. what was that? What was that other direction it could have gone in? And can can we go in that direction? I mean, yes. that's rather than just futures you know yeah yeah i mean ra rather than just thinking oh you know what the 20th century was was awful i need to i need to go back to writing sonnets and epic poetry i mean you can't do it you know you have to work with with what the thing, we have yeah yeah and the, th the thing is like it, that should be obvious to you if you even just read epic something like epic poetry for instance i mean although something like the iliad uh is is very very arresting it's also weird and boring yeah and and that's that's <laughs> a good that's a good that's a good indication that actually we we are in a, in a very radical way cut off from from yeah. that medium you know even if you like go go and read paradise lost i mean paradise yeah. lost okay there's there's great uh, paradise lost is great i mean it's, it's yeah. obviously a, a masterpiece but it's also bloody boring and like you know that is that really what we need in 2022 and, and a, a, a poor attempt to rewrite paradise lost for the for the modern era or something like oh, that. oh yeah yeah no absolutely there's something to be said without going full like progressive either uh, aesthetically mm -hmm. or politically that you know you need to engage with things that that speak to the moment in which you're in and that mm -hmm. may mean you know, there's maybe there's something lost, <laughs> paradise lost. You know, there's something lost that we can't, we don't have that same attention span, or or that that kind of poetry doesn't titillate us in the way that maybe it would have if we were contemporaries mm. with Milton. But it is what it is. You know, it's it is the moment that we are in, and I think this, uh, I think this actually overlaps with. Uh, kind of some the aesthetics and some questions surrounding the aesthetics of man's world in an interesting way because mm. you've gotten some flack from a certain uh, I don't remember how Bap described him a certain uh, cowboy poser I believe <laughs> on Twitter about um, it was a Calvin Klein ad meme that I think probably a lot of yeah uh, and the, the question of like do, it, it, just to describe it for people who haven't heard you know it was a, it was a Calvin Klein ad from what the seventies or eighties. Maybe it was, even it was a early, 90s early, or... early nineties, early nineties. Mark Wahlberg and Kate Moss. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just kind of depicting a, a more, you know, m very modern, but still compared to what we have today, more traditional yeah. uh, sort of gender archetypes uh, of, yeah. of attractiveness and vigor, uh, contrasted with some horrid pregnant male um calvin klein ad from i guess the current year yeah. and uh what was the comment oh uh you know this is some some conservative ink guy was like uh, right wingers need to understand that uh the, you know the latter led to the former and then i think you and bap and others kind of got into it uh mm. disputing that and i think um it overlaps with this question uh 
I, I basically I, I don't buy into the notion that every element of modernism or every aesthetic that came out of the modern era is bad. There was still good things that no, could, could come across in something like you know a traditional issue of Playboy uh, mm. or, uh, or or that Calvin Klein ad, or even and this also gets into another not really a controversy, but another question that people have had about the first issue of Man's World actually featured centerfolds, which I think Dan and I both. Uh, <laughs> liked the aesthetic of but others weren't were not as happy yeah, with others others um, really didn't like it yeah yeah look there's a nuanced conversation to be had you know is this fapping material or is it so, i don't think it's you know i think the centerfolds in the first uh man's world you know it's something it's something beyond just you know well like, i think what's key about yeah. those centerfolds is like it i think they it's like playboys from the 80s or, or yeah. early 90s or even 70s yep. And what's interesting about that, not just hot, but interesting, it shows a kind of earlier femininity in our culture. And that's like, that's kind of hot to see, but interesting to see. Whereas like today, like, well, we don't even have centerfolds today, but if you did, it would look very different. It would look, you know, in some ways, just very like hyper, you know, sexualized. It would have to be, it would have to be, I think if you had centerfolds today, to compete with you would have hardcore. to compete with, with hardcore pornography and, I, and yeah. I don't know how you would do that other than just by having hardcore pornography in, in the magazine yeah, yeah. i mean if anything it was quaint to see these centerfolds yeah. it was well like, that's that's you know, why i that's why i called it um vintage bush because yeah, you know, all, all, exactly. of the, all of the women have like copious copious amounts of pubic yeah. hair and, and that's just I don't know. I it's mean, like it's, it's, it's funny to be. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's funny yeah. to be nostalgic. It's funny to be nostalgic about something like that. But actually, like it yeah. is something that you can, if you're of a certain age, you can be nostalgic about. Um, I, I mean, absolutely. The first Playboys I opened up when I was like 13 or 14, they of, of course they had Bush. This was like the yeah. 90s, the the early 2000s, mm. and like it's you know in a way it's like it's nostalgic for a um, you know pre not pre-woke era, but pre-globo, globo, definitely era. And yeah. look, the, the issue of like, did that stuff lead to where we are now? I don't think it's like, to an extent, maybe like there, you know, you could make an argument against any form of pornography from the very start. I don't, I wouldn't necessarily mm. argue against that. There, there always has been issues. Hugh Hefner has always been was oh you know he's dead now i believe uh but you know he yeah. was always, he was yeah. always liberal like there was always problems there it's not that yeah. there's not it's not that the argument that that uh sexualization from the 70s 80s 90s led to us to where we are now it's not that that holds no water it's just that mm. there's more to it than that yeah, uh, much even, more to it yeah a lot more to it even if you know it, it did it lead us to where we are now maybe there maybe there was a trajectory from from there to to now but it didn't have to be that way not necessarily. Uh, is there a mm. glimpse of what could have been an alternative future or, uh, yep. or even if not that explicit, was there, you know, was there just something better about that? I yeah. think the answer I mean, is I, yes. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that the alternative is women in burkas. That's what I'll say. Yeah. Yeah. But, but some, but some people do, but some people do, you know, um, uh, and it's and it, it is it is very it is very hard it is very hard because it's an emotive topic and of and of course because of the excesses of of let's say modern day sexuality or t- sexuality in 2022 you know it it is an emotive topic and people do get upset about it and there there is there is plenty to be upset about you know i mean it's 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 a nightmare absolutely I, I sometimes i sometimes think you know what would it be like to raise to raise a young a young boy or girl 
with a smartphone i mean yeah i mean it's 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 a it's a nightmare and it and it's i mean it, it's a sh- it's i think it's a shame that parents a lot of parents don't take it more seriously that they just assume oh no my child's not looking at pornography well oh, yeah. they definitely they definitely are um if they've got a smartphone um uh yeah. No, so there's... so yeah i mean i i can see why people get upset but but yeah. there's we, we we've got to tr- we've got to, uh, I, I do think that we've got to try to get beyond that try to to Absolutely. think about it in, in in a much more in a in a in a in a much in a much deeper way because it yeah that 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 braxton mccoy thing it, oh, that's the I mean, it's, it's yeah. such a it's such a it's such a lazy it's such yeah. a lazy way to think about the problem like and 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 bat brought it out quite nicely by saying that you know the, this actually the image on the right the image of the of the um the trans the pregnant trans man has got nothing to do with sexualization yeah Th- there's nothing yeah. sexual about that image and that's and that's what basically what i was trying to say is that we've gone from you know from uh, from just having two very attractive people advertising an attractive ideal to something that's just out of hp lovecraft <laughs> um yeah no go on go on dan go on. Uh, matt and i were talking last night about what would a healthy sexuality approach to women sexually be in a culture and mm. if you look back to the 50s the early 60s yeah you had pinups and that that was fine. You you even had like underground nudie magazines mm. and like probably something closer to that or maybe but but that doesn't have to lead to, you know, hardcore pornography mm. and you know and ar- arguably like, you know, later developments with the trans stuff like you you mm. don't there is not a through yeah. line from celebration no. of you know hot girls to like oh we're all going to be trans now that's just i i don't yeah. believe that i'm yeah, not yeah. i'm not like looking at a centerfold and i'm going to be like oh yeah you know what yeah. maybe i should be trans <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. yeah it's as it's as ridiculous it's as ridiculous as that famous theodore dorno quote where he said there's a straight line from the slingshot to the atom bomb yeah it's like no, it's, it's ridiculous no, no there isn't there very obviously yeah. isn't theodore um uh yeah i mean the 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 sexualization thing like it's it's sexualization is obviously part of it but but there's something very very different at work in that second advert a a totally different ethic a totally different you know like ideology and an ideology that has been promulgated to do this from the top basically yeah right and it you know they've if anything, they've co-opted our sexualities. They've co-opted yeah. our messaging, yeah. our media to deliver yeah. something that is alien. Yeah, it's, it's a revolt. It's a revolt against nature. I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's and then you know this our thing is a reaction against. It's a human reaction yeah. <laughs> against anti-human ideologies yeah. to channel yeah. uh, exactly. infowars here. But uh, yeah. no, I think I think that's I think that's right. And I think that ties into the earlier part of our conversation as well with nutrition and eggs and everything. I think that gets to the heart of the kind of holistic movement mm. that we're trying to cultivate here. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I think and Dan, it's, um, yeah, go on. No, go on. No, go on. Go on. Yeah, I was say, Dan, I think you bring up a good point. Like, um, I, I lost my train. I thought you can go on. Sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say holistic. It's. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't. 
man's man's world is a is a is a means to an end. I mean, it's it's not it's not the be all and end all. Uh, I do I am I am trying to think more broadly. You know, in terms of a of a broader movement, I want it to I want it to generate excitement. I want it to generate uh, to generate publicity, and I want it to get people excited. But I think it's um, yes, that it, it's very much it's not just about getting people to read a magazine. It's about as you say, it's about a total change. It's about a cultural change. It's about yes. a, a broader movement for sure. Definitely. No, I was just going to say that, uh, you know, I don't, it, 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 these are in terms of the pornography thing and, and, you know, mm. what, what does one thing lead to another? Like, I, it's not, it is a hard question and like the, t- whatever take you have to have has to be nuanced, but I do think, Dan, mm. I think you've got, you know, hit the nail on the head where it's like, what, you know, what, at what point does something at what point is liberalism shall we say because obviously even like the calvin klein ad there's a little bit of sexual revolution Mm post-sexual revolution imagery there compared to an earlier period in the west but like at what point does that become anti-nature and anti-human i think that's that's the line we need to look for Um, yeah like to take it back to like way way back in the day in you know roman times of course they glorified female beauty and you would be hard pressed to find a more patriarchal culture than the romans Mm. so (laughs) yeah and i mean the thing is the thing with that calvin klein advert is that okay this might be the first calvin klein advert the marky mark and um kate moss advert it's like okay this might be a bit naive but actually they could be they could be boyfriend and girlfriend. They could be husband and wife. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. But like, but, 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 but when you look at the advert from 2022, you've got something very, very different indeed going on. You know, I mean, it is a total, it is a total inversion uh, of what yeah. you, well, the natural order, whatever you want to call it. But it's, um, you know, you yeah. can see, you can see a deep continuity in the Calvin Klein, the original Calvin Klein advert, the Marky Mark advert, that is just totally gone. That has totally disappeared. In totally a been inverted. Of, yeah. Yeah. In a, in a period of thirty years. I mean, and that's and and Calvin Klein adverts actually from more recently were still normal. I mean, this is this is this is massive, massive acceleration taking place. And just yeah. to just just to think that it's uh oh, it's just this slow slow burning process that's been taking place since you know Woodstock or um you know elvis is elvis released his first single it's, it's just it's it's really facile i think yeah no and, it's 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 even been the last five to ten years even you yeah. know beyond 30 like um, you, you yeah. need look no further than russia or china they have like certainly you know sexualized women on television and, and mm. what have you uh, they, they don't have too many ads with trans men in russia uh in china yeah. i think you might get executed for that so I mean, like, it's it's definitely possible to have a culture that is, you know, portrays women in a, a positive light sexually and uh, also doesn't carry with it this pernicious ideology. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sure. And in terms of the aesthetics of it all, you know, I think when in doubt, I think this is also crucial, the, you know, the Calvin Klein out of the uh, of it all and the type of aesthetics, even the centerfold type aesthetics that some people took issue with. In man's world, it's like when in doubt, you've got to go with, you know, image images that are going to move people and attract people mm. and make make our yeah. movement look vigorous, healthy, sexy, even, you know, strong. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like 
this isn't the only reason because I think there there are there's other you know good mm-hmm. grounding to be like actually that Calvin Klein ad wasn't bad actually maybe even these centerfolds mm-hmm. weren't bad there's good grounding beyond mm-hmm. just like beyond just like a deal with the devil like we're gonna we're gonna attract people with it yeah. but like but even on that level like you got again postmodern condition where we are we live in a yeah you know post you know we're surrounded by advertisements we have to compete with that and there's a way to do it where you know you can't just go you can't just check out a modernity entirely i mean yeah maybe yeah. maybe that was good for for uncle ted but like uh <laughs> you know for for most of us you know making something like man's world it's you have to you know cultivate the the better aesthetics that are recognizable to us that are recognized you know if you're if you're sort of more gen x or whatever that you might even remember from your childhood and mm. present an alternative vision that can be very swaying. Um, I think that's what Man's World does really well, and I think that's what a lot of the more interesting accounts, Twitter accounts, and, and users yeah. in our sphere are able to cultivate. That makes them more uh, successful than others. For sure. Well, I mean, the, for a long time, then I think the young conservative has been a has been a, fig- a figure of ridicule. You know, like a young person yeah. who is conservative. What a joke! And the you have things like turning point with with charlie kirk you know that's supposed to bring to bring conservative to, to bring conservatism onto the campuses and and you know it's just it's so it's what's well, cringe i mean it's cringe it's really cringe and uh you can see why they're trying to do it but but it's it's the package is you know it's emba- it's embarrassing to watch and and there's got there's got to be some other way especially especially when now i mean it's being healthy has never been a more being healthy being attractive being slim being young being vital i mean this is just basically now the province of the right wing because the left has totally totally abandoned totally abandoned uh any kind of attachment to, to real attachment to physical reality and to to what is natural and so we've got an open goal really you know like yeah. if you're if you're coming for excitement if you're coming for for um you know everything that's real and beautiful everything that's real and beautiful and and natural then you know we're the people you've got to come to yeah. now because you're not going to get that from the left yeah no absolutely. yeah it's, it's like that line at the end of the first issue of uh man's world in the introduction that um it's it's all open for us right now mm. because they've seeded the the ground they've seeded the playing field and anyone yeah. who wants something beautiful anyone who wants something true well um it's it's ours to to make for them to see yeah precisely mm. all right well we realize it's getting uh, late over there in the uk but uh before before we end definitely want to give you a chance to just talk about pretty much everything you've got on the market in the way of books uh um there's a compendium of what the first like four mm-hmm. issues of man's world out with antelope yep. hill um definitely mm-hmm. just want to kind of touch on the what our listeners can 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 read uh, and delve into further yeah sure so i've got um i've got three well, I've got four four books on amazon as paperback so i've got my the original cookbook that started it all roig nationalism in in theory and practice um Mm uh and then three lives of golden age bodybuilders which is uh about three golden age bodybuilders and the example or how we can learn from their example but it also um 
it has like a philosophical essay at the beginning about yeah. our attitude to the past and to past accomplishments of 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 physical accomplishments accomplishments especially of humans uh and also contains training information and diet information about the bodybuilders as well so it's kind of a yeah and it's an it's, interesting it's, package. It's Reg Park, Dave Draper, and Vince Geronda? No. It's or... Reg Park, uh, Chuck Sipes, and Chet Yorton. Gotcha. Okay, great. And then you also have uh, Draw Me a Geronda about Vince Geronda, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, about Vince Geronda. So that was a, that's a riff on Draw Me a Gorilla by <laughs> my friend Spinach Bra. I, uh, I pirated his idea of, of getting people to do drawings as a personality test. And... Uh, uh, made that into like a, so it's a biography of Vince Gironda talks about his ideas his training methods diets all that kind of stuff and then it has this sort of like novelty thing at the end teaching you how to draw pictures of Vince <laughs> Gironda and also analyzing <laughs> analyzing drawings of Vince Gironda that I got various people to do um, uh, and then there's there's Raw Egg Trilogy which which is um, all those three books in one uh, and then, so that's all on Amazon. And then there's also the uh, the 39 Steps, which right. the Man's World Classics edition of the 39 Steps on Amazon as well, if you want right. to buy that, which is also being serialized in Man's World. Um, and then I've got some books with Antelope Hill. So I've got a hardback, uh, much expanded version of my cookbook with Antelope Hill, Heroic right. Nationalism, um, which is like the ultimate RWBB glossy coffee table cookbook. Yeah um fantastic pictures loads of recipes for raw eggs and uh, raw egg dishes and other things as well cooked eggs steak sauces cocktails desserts uh, all sorts of stuff and it's all full of um raw egg uh raw egg um law and um political philosophy and all that kind of stuff so that's uh, if if you want the glossy version, then get that from Antelope Hill. And then there's the Man's World Annual 2021, which is a selection of the best material from the first four issues of Man's World in a in a glossy annual format, like an early. So it was based on an early Playboy annual. That format, so it's like the best of the year. It's got all sorts of stuff. It's got exclusive content as well. Uh, incredible fantastic cover by antelope hill you know it's hardback it's it's really substantial weighs two pounds um uh yeah it's got games also all, all the kind of things that you would have found in a 1950s annual if you've ever handled a 1950s or 60s annual you'll find in there it's a it's a real yeah, kind of throwback, gonna, throwback to the glory I am, days i am literally buying this right now as we're talking <laughs> yeah, and fantastic. i cannot recommend it more because you know it's just something you want on your coffee table Definitely. yeah there's 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 nothing there's nothing like it i think it's it's the it's the kind of it's the fruition of the of the man's world um project in a way and there, there will be another one this year as well from antelope hill i will add um awesome i mean one of the one of the disappointments for me has been not being able to find a way to distribute the magazine in physical format i mean it's 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 a really and people talk ask me about this all the time but it's a really there's a formidable series of problems involved um when you're just one man with no yeah with no real uh institutional backing or funding to do it i mean if i had if i had megabucks or or not even megabucks just bucks behind me then i could probably probably find a way but for the moment then it's just going to be 
hardcover annuals at the end of the year until we can find uh until we can find a workaround but they are absolutely not second best they're highest quality this this first man's world annual is just yeah it's, it's a stunning stunning book yeah no antelope hill puts together really really professional yeah. books um yeah, no nice. yeah as, as, as dan said i'm, I'm definitely gonna pick that one up um, to the extent you, you, you don't, may not want to ruin any surprises, but you said man's world seven due out in July. Mm-hmm. Um, can you, what can you tell us about what's going to be in that? I saw on Instagram, I think that there is going to be a Northman review, which is very cool. Uh, yeah, survive, survive the jive. Yeah. Uh, Amanda Milius may appear or is that elsewhere? Yep. She's, she's being interviewed by Noor bin Laden. Great. Now, Very a, cool. now a regular regular correspondent for the magazine. She's also writing the preface for my new book. She's nice. Great. Um, yeah. No. Lots of. Um, be, yeah. Go on. There's going to be there's going to be loads of stuff. It's I think this one is going to be 400 pages. Wow. If I'm honest with you, it's a, this yeah, is nice. a big one. There's going to be a, there's a lot of fiction in this one, including a really really fantastic story called Scrim Shander, which is like, what's it like? It's a bit like William Faulkner meets Herman Melville. Uh, oh, I won't I spoil it for you. Yeah, it's, it's it's really it's really good. Who, this this guy is is a uh, is is one to watch for sure. He's great. Um, uh, and then there are articles on God, there's all sorts of stuff. I, there's so much of it I can't even actually remember. But it's it's going to be good. It's going to be good. We've got an old school powerlifter bodybuilder who's written some recollections of the glory days of the Iron Game. Um, uh we're going to have all sorts of um opinion pieces as well as usual the, the opinion section keeps getting bigger and bigger um i'm writing an article uh, uh an article about um gouging which is the uh native uh appalachian style of fighting um, interesting yeah bare knuckle bare knuckle fighting where the object was to gouge your opponent's eyes out um, yeah uh which is going to be pretty cool, but yeah, it's just going to be loads, loads of stuff in there, man. Great. So much stuff. Look forward to that. And yeah, the begs, sorry, not the beg, the eggs Benedict option. Uh, that's mm-hmm. also coming out this year. And if, first for listeners, if, uh, if anyone didn't pick us yep. up, that is a play on Rod Dreher's Benedict option, right? Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Cause he's, uh, he was taking some pot shots at me and I thought, <laughs> well, it'd be quite funny actually to, take some pot shots again <laughs> uh yeah that's that that should be coming out so i'm just finishing the book should have it finished by the end of june so i i that will be out in the second half of the year great in, in, nice. paper, in, in paperback form as well so it should although it will be through antelope hill it, sh- it will also be available via amazon oh good Super. All right. Well, I guess unless you have anything else to add or Dan, do you have anything else to add? I think we can wrap up. But thank you so, so much for coming on the show. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, this Absolutely, is- Absolutely, Rag. Thank you. It's been great. <laughs>